Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about some alternatives in education that you may not know a lot about. Uh, joining us in the studio are three guests today. Mike Betson is here. He's a homeschooling father and the contact person for Learn Homeschool Group. Alan Veach is here. Alan is the principal of New Tech High School which will be starting up in less than two weeks. And Daniel Barron is here. Daniel is the school leader of the Project School, which uh, is starting in Indianapolis and will be starting in Bloomington uh, next fall. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Daniel, Mike, and Alan, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to see you, you, Bob. Glad glad to have you here. Uh, Daniel's been – he's a return visitor. Yep. So, and we have two uh, new guys here. But uh, they have interesting stuff to say. Mary Catherine. Hi, Bob. All right. Let's uh, get started about just, – just give us some, some background. And, and Mike, I want to start with you about LEARN. What is, what is your organization? Um, LEARN is an uh, inclusive homeschool group uh, that has members in and surrounding Bloomington. Uh, we have members as far away as Richmond, Indiana – uh, but pr- most of our activities take place inside of Bloomington. Okay. And uh, I, I went to your website today, Life Education and Resource Network. Is this a network that is based here in Bloomington or are you part of a larger uh, No, we're kind of an indigenous group here in Bloomington. Uh, the history, I think, goes back, oh, I don't know, at least 20 years, maybe a little bit longer. Um, it's just – it's a very loose uh, – support group, and uh, we have activities uh, pretty much on a weekly basis, but uh, like, for instance, we have a uh, park day at Upper Cascades on the first Thursday of every month that gives people a chance to come out and have questions answered about homeschooling and meet members of the group. Okay. Um, Alan, New Tech High School, uh, it's a, a, a new concept. We've had a program on it before. We had uh, Jim Harvey in here with the high school mm-hmm. principals, uh, high school principals before you were named the mm-hmm. New Correct. Tech High School principal. So um, would you sort of re- re- review, refresh our memories about what the whole concept is behind New Tech? Sure. Uh, New Tech High School, it's a public school. It's a part of the Monroe County School Corporation. Uh, the majority of our students will be students that would have traditionally went to Bloomington North or Bloomington South. It's a, an application process. The students fill out and send those in. We have, uh, we'll be taking uh, applications from each 8th grade class with a maximum class size of 100 students per grade. We're starting with just freshmen the first year, and then each year after that we'll be adding 100 freshmen. So the school uh, in the end will be 400 uh, in size, and I think that's a, that's a key for us so to be small and the ability to be able to, to build those relationships with those students and to to be able to involve them and their parents in their education. And we've uh, taking the time to meet with every every current or upcoming student and their parents throughout the summer and at the end of the school year just to begin that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I think makes you, uh, New Tech unique is the fact that we are a one-to-one computer ratio, so all classrooms will be outfitted with 25 computers. It'll be a mix of laptops and desktops depending on uh, teacher preference uh, in the classroom. And the students will be using those as a tool, and we'll be teaching them how to use those as a tool. Other than just using Facebook and MySpace like they do now, we're going to teach them to, uh, to use those uh, computers to make their jobs easier and how to use those as a research tool. And the other key is that we're through projects is how we'll be teaching most of our curriculum is, you know, the students will be giving a, given a real-world project that then they'll have to get together in a group, and then they'll have to work through three to four weeks to solve that problem. And at the end, they'll be giving a presentation to a group of experts, what we call externalizing the enemy, or bringing people in from the outside to judge those presentations and evaluate the students and give them feedback on their presentation. With the idea is we want them to learn a lot of what's called soft skills or 21st century skills, time management, organization, presentation skills, critical thinking that, that is not explicitly built into a curriculum traditionally, but will be built into our curriculum. And, and just so uh, you've explained that very, very well, uh, obviously. Um, I had somebody ask me the other day, just the other day, you know, after a year and a half or so of writing stories about this and editorials, you know, New Tech, New Tech High School, you know, my kid is really interested in technology. Would that be a good place for him to go? And, and you've explained, I mean, you use the new technology, but it's not about learning about technology. 
Exactly. We're going to have a, a very traditional curriculum in that we're going to be teaching English, math, science, and social studies. We're just using the computer much more as a tool in those particular classrooms. Now, do I think students who enjoy working on the computer and enjoy computers would enjoy the new tech as a school? Of course, because that's going to be a part of their curriculum, and, and we want to find ways to, to foster their interest even more than what the, the curricular classes would with extracurricular um, activities. But, you know, the name new tech can be a bit of a, mis- a misnomer. We get it because we're modeled after a school in California, but we are very much a traditional school in the means of the courses that we will be teaching. Mm-hmm. What will be non-traditional is how we'll teach those courses and the tools we'll be giving the kids to learn. Mm-hmm. What kind of student are you looking for to, to attend New Tech? Uh, we like to think that all students will be successful at New Tech. We, we believe that um, we can challenge the, the brightest and best students through the projects because there is no limit to how deep and how in-depth you can go to a project other than what you as a student give yourself. So here's a computer, here's the tools, here are all these experts in our community. Go, go explore and see what you can find. Um, we're also very hands-on, so I think kids who traditionally struggle in a traditional school setting where you're very much um, not moving around as much will be very successful at New Tech because you are going to be up. You're going to be moving around. You're going to be working in a, in a group. Mm-hmm. You're going to have that ability to socialize built right into the curriculum so that, that you won't be struggling to sit there and be confined probably to a desk for a longer period of time. It's an application process. What will you be looking for in the applications? Uh, you know, the application is very simple. I kind of joke with parents, as, as long as you can fill it out and sign your name, uh, that's basically what we're asking in the application process because uh, our belief is that the way we're going to teach and expect kids to learn is really different than traditional schools and past performance or behavior is not really an indicator of future success at the New Tech School. So we didn't ask anything other than what's your name and how can we get a hold of you? And uh, the demographics of the school, just by pure chance of applications, match north and south. Um, the two traditional high schools, pretty close. So hmm. uh, we're excited about that. Really interesting. We're going to turn to Daniel. I, it's becoming very obvious to me already that we could have done three programs with yeah. the three of you. <laughs> uh, but this is actually a program uh, about um, educational um, uh, I hate to use the word alternatives, but I guess I will. But just just ways to that students can be educated that are different from the traditional school model. So, Daniel, we've talked to you about various things with education over the years, and now this is this is new. The Project School. Talk about that. Sure, I'd love to. Um, the Project School is a public school, and it will be the first charter school in Monroe County or any of the surrounding counties. So, it, we're breaking new ground in in, um, in this area. We're starting with a school in Indianapolis, K-6, that opens in two weeks um, in a historically black community. And uh, we're over-enrolled, I'm really pleased to say. We're starting with 200 kids, K-6, through um, and we'll be opening here in Bloomington next August, uh, K-7. Um, if I was to think about the distinguishing characteristics of the project school, I would first say that it's, it's definitely not a traditional curriculum. Um, we, we've created a curriculum framework that we call P-cubed, P3 uh, curriculum. And those three Ps are project-based, problem-based, and place-based. Uh, we start our school year with a curriculum summit. So in Indianapolis, we invited all the families and community members, inclu- including um, leaders of the community, in for a curriculum summit to identify the issues that are of concern in the community, the places that we could learn from and study, and then together created uh, compelling generative topics that will guide our learning for the year. So all of the projects will be based on input from the community, and then we invite the community back at the end of the year to assess our work, to see what we did with their thinking, and then on the next day to help us develop the, the themes for the following year. Um, the other things that I think distinguish us is our assessment. Of course, we'll be using ISTEP um, and, and NWEA as standardized assessments, but our assess- assessment will be performance-based, um, it, and the through line of assessment is our, our purpose is to develop positive habits of using the mind well, the voice well, and the heart well. So every project we do will have that, that assessment criteria in it. Um, we also have an arts infusion and technology infusion um, aspect to the program. So uh, um, in a workshop format, kids will learn um, literacy, critical literacy critical mathematics, uh, social studies and sciences will come through um, through our projects. But the workshop format is for multi-aged. Every class will be multi-aged and every class will be team taught. So there'll never be an isolated uh, teacher with an isolated group of kids uh, separated by age in any setting. 
So when you when you say that there'll be various uh, age groups in the uh, classrooms, how wide will the could the age group be? Uh, in in the core uh, home groups, there'll be two years. Okay. Um, the, until the middle school is filled out, and then we may, may well go six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. Um, in the there are other optional classes that could span all the way from K through seven. So it really depends on the, what time in the in the day of the schedule that we're in. Uh, there's a, a there's a, a passions time where kids choose. Um, an area of study that around their own interests and passions, although much of our school will be based on that. Um, and in those classes, that will be kids of all ages. Mm-hmm. All right, 855-0811-877-285-9348. And noon at indiana.edu is our email address. We're talking with uh, three people who are involved in education, Mike Betson, homeschooling father and contact person for Learn Homeschool Group, Alan Beach, the principal of New Tech High School, and Daniel Barron, the school leader of the Project School. Mike, um, both Alan and, and uh, Daniel were talking a lot about curriculum Talk about uh, homeschool curriculum. Do you do homeschool homeschoolers have some sort of set curriculum, or does every student have a different curriculum? Well, it's uh, I forgot my disclaimer from the Learn website, which basically said that Learn's a diverse group encompassing many different learning uh, philosophies and worldviews, and that no individual speaks for any other individual mm-hmm. in the group or the group as a whole. Um, there's a tremendous variety of how parents. Uh, approach the issue of curricula, um, it just, it, it's extremely, it just, I think with homeschooling, the advantage is you can fit the learning style of the child with the curriculum and there's, it ranges everything from unschooling, which sounds very similar to the project school, you know, engaging the students' passions to classical education. There are actually parents who use the trivium, which, you know, sort of a tried and true method from, you know, the ancient times. Um, I myself, my, my family kind of, we use Core 40 for my son uh, because I want him to, you know, be able to enter the university with an equivalent education that he would have, uh, you know, if he attended a public high school. But it's a curriculum, it's just, it, it varies. We It's really pretty easy to, you can pull the state standards off the website uh, we're very definitely uh, – I, myself with my family, computers are an essential part of keeping the cost down. Uh, we really kind of – a lot of things we just find – I'm a book fanatic. So library sales and you know use of the library, I maintain a public library access card as just a you know standard expense every year and make use – I work in Indianapolis, so I make use of uh, library systems all the way from Monroe County to Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So um, explain how your son's education is is actually delivered. I mean, do do you sit with him and teach him? Well, my wife does most of the heavy lifting, and I should mention that I have a daughter as well. She's Uh at camp right now, so I don't think she'll be able to be listening to this this (laughs) afternoon. Um, we, my wife does most of the teaching. We also have some co-op classes where we take advantage of um, other parents' uh, expertise. Some subjects, um, we use a, a product called Saxon Math, which actually allows my son to kind of leapfrog ahead of the math skills of uh, myself and my wife. And then when he runs into a problem, I have lots of friends who you know are engineers or you know have. Uh, graduate degrees, you know, in the mathematics and sciences. And so that allows him to, you know, or both both my children to, uh, you know, gain the math skills. Uh, by and large, you know, most of the subjects that my wife can, you know, between the two of us, we can cover most of the subjects. Uh, we're finding um, I've sort of been given an ultimatum on languages this year. So I'm going to have to get more involved in uh, teaching my son Spanish uh, and I will probably – will maybe take some classes at the local high school or hire a tutor for that. And one of the uh, freedoms of homeschooling is you can travel any time of the year. So the possibility of even doing a language school in say Guatemala or Mexico is a real possibility. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, is there a standardized testing um, for homeschool students? No. Uh, the state of Indiana, the only regulation that exists is that a student's required to have 180 days of reasonably equivalent education or instruction. Right. 
Um, currently, there are no standardized tests. Uh, we, there's, it's a great controversy. There's always, you know, I guess a push for the standardized testing. Mm-hmm. However, I really don't see a need for that at the present time. If you look at the stats with homeschool students and their educational achievement, uh, it tends to be equal to or greater than the average of, you know, within public and private schools. Uh, I know a young woman who uh, was homeschooled and was accepted as a STARS student at IU, and she had an article published in the Journal of Chemical Physics, I believe, before she actually uh, started her freshman year. So, and, you know, then again, I have known some students who weren't so successful. It's, it's like any other uh, endeavor. You're going to have a wide range. But if a parent is willing to sacrifice one income or, you know, parents are willing to sacrifice one income because you know, most families are two income and devote that much time, usually the outcome is going to be uh, very favorable. I think the key problem in the educational system today isn't the schools. The schools are incredible. But I think it's a lack of involvement with parents. I'll meet parents who aren't even aware of what school district they're in. And, you know, it's, with, with homeschooling, a parent is engaged on a, you know, not just a daily basis, but a minute-by-minute basis mm-hmm. with their children's education. Okay. We had an email that came in, so let's get to that. Um, Alan, this question is for you. Um, is there, can you give the uh, listener an idea of the cost of New Tech High School? And I don't know if she means for the student or for the community. So you may want to get into both of those. Okay. Well, for the student, it, it is a public school, so the cost is comparable to going to a traditional high school. There will be book rental fees and course okay. fees and another thing that – but uh, transportation is free and there is no um, cost for coming to New Tech specifically. There's no tuition for choosing New Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just part of a, of a free education. And as far as cost to the community – uh, there is uh, an extensive amount of a startup cost for new tech, and we began uh, just about a year ago, August 15th last year, with a kickoff for a huge fundraising uh, um, campaign that was kicked off by Cook Incorporated and matched by or started matched by the Community Foundation to raise uh, around $400,000 to help with the startup costs. And a lot of that includes um, the original purchase of the 400 computers for the school, training for my staff, a software program that helps us to manage that, and fees to be a part of the New Tech Network, which is uh, a vital part of um, the New Tech as a school, being able to collaborate across the nation mm-hmm. with, with other New Tech. So that fundraising drive is, is still continuing. Um, it's, a, it's a four-year pledge from our donors, and um, we, we have seen a tremendous amount of um, response, positive response from the community uh, with that. Okay, great. Now, where are you going to be, Howard? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> We are going to be uh, – most people that have been around Bloomington for quite some time would recognize the Rogers Building Supply Store that used to be um, uh, over on Patterson Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand before that they used to build concrete blocks there. I'm not from Bloomington, so I've learned a lot about that area. But uh, we will actually be at 444 South Patterson Drive, the old Rogers Building Supply showroom. Uh, if you go by there today, you will um, hopefully see a lot of cars. Yeah. But uh, the building has been repainted. It looks fantastic. Um, the people we have working on the building have, have really come together in a short amount of time, and um, we're really looking forward to opening that building on the first day of school. Now, I know there was a, t- uh, a time when it appeared that you were going to open you know, in a wing of, of South, and I know that you were advocating for having a freestanding facility. T- uh, if you would, talk about why you felt like that was so important. Well, one of the tenets of a new tech high school is that it has a unique culture. And um, as I had stated before, you know, I believe to truly have a unique culture and a unique identity, the students need to have a place to call their own. And to get that, a separate facility is what I believed at the time was, was the best for that. And, you know, what we are talking about is the three words we're using with our, with our students is trust, respect, and responsibility. And we want that to be infused throughout the entire culture of the school. We want the students to be involved in making decisions and setting the parameters and policing themselves and, and basically creating a culture that, that we call business like that. When you walk into New Tech School, it would be a, you would feel similar as if you were to walk in someone's business where mm-hmm. we all respect each other for who we are and the things we bring to the table uh, when we are working together. And I believe to make that happen, to be 
in a separate facility was really key. Uh, so I think that's uh, that's a really important thing for us. Yeah. Daniel, will your school or Alan yours be using school uniforms? We well, you know dress code is a big issue with students, and they um, have all kinds of thoughts on that. And we will be forming – one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to form student task forces the second week of school, and one of those will be dress code. And we will be encouraging and, and working with the students to help form their own uh, dress code with the understanding of trust, respect, responsibility, and a business-like atmosphere. And how does that um, fit in with our model as a school? So. Uh, we'll decide. We'll let you know in a couple yeah, of weeks when we'll the see, students huh? decide. Okay, mm-hmm. Daniel. Yeah, um, we don't have a dress code policy at this point, but we um, we do want to talk with our, our students and our families and see what makes sense for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the parent voice at the project school will be really influential, and um, they'll be they'll be involved in every aspect of, of of substance around the education of their children. And clearly, dress is one of those. And we we expect to have a really broad span of income. Um, for, for the families that our children come from, and we want to do everything we can to level the playing field. So that's going to be a, an interesting conversation. Hmm, All right. I, I want to follow up on that, but we have a phone call. So we're going to go to Dina. Dina? Hello. Hi, Dina. Hi. Um, I'm, this question is mostly for uh, Mr. Barron. Um, I wanted to say that we moved into the Templeton District seven years ago to be part of the multi-age classrooms that they offered there. And then a new principal was instated three years ago, and now the multi-age classrooms are almost entirely gone. And I'd like to hear, this is disappointing for me, I'd like to hear from him about some of the benefits of multi-age classrooms. Thanks for that question, Dina. Um, I I know several teachers at Templeton, and and there still will be several multi-age classrooms there. There's just going to be more options. Um, But the reason that we've chosen to go with multi-age is, um, every, all of the teachers on the founding group have had, all come from multi-age experience, both in Bloomington and in Indianapolis. And my whole career has been in, um, based on multi-age education. And I think the benefits are, are varied and many. Um, you know, when, the, the funny thought around that is I can't think of any place but in school where we group people entirely by the month and year they were born in and keep people within only one year span of age. And I I just wonder how adults would feel if they were limited to interacting with people just born in their same year. Um, The opportunities for kids of different ages to learn from each other, uh, particularly for the older children in in a multi-age classroom to take responsibility for and demonstrate their understanding of curriculum by teaching younger students. And also, so often, younger kids have interests that, that give them great knowledge around topics, and they have a lot to contribute to older kids as well. Um, so it's much more natural setting. It's the you know I think it's the way America became great on the one house one room schoolhouse, and much of that was around the responsibility of, of older children to serve and support the learning of younger kids. So I think for social development, emotional development, and intellectual development, having a variety of ages in the classroom is best for children. Um, I, I think the having one age in a classroom is more for the convenience of the adult, so they can plan what they think will be for a narrower range of skills and abilities. But I, I found that the range in a, any traditional classroom is almost as great as the range in having two or three years together. So um, we're make, trying to make every decision on what's best for children, um, and and we we found teachers and adults who have that share that same commitment. An example of that is that we'll, we'll have a 180-day year calendar. It will be year-round, but our length of day will give us well over 30 additional days of instructional time. And that was a decision made by teachers knowing that the kids we're going to be serving, we, 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 we're reaching out to kids and families who have been historically disenfranchised and marginalized um, by, by the, um, the, the, their, their society and their schooling. And, um, and in, order, in order to meet that, the, the various needs of kids, we know we need a longer school day. And we know that we have to personalize the curriculum to reflect the ancestral backgrounds and histories of every child in the school. We'll be reaching out to the Islamic community, to the Latino community, um, to communities, all the variety of the richness of diversity that we have in this, in this community. We want to see that reflected in every, at every age in every class in our school. Uh, I wanted to follow up on that, Daniel, because you said earlier that you'd have a wide range of income levels, I think. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you used that mm-hmm. term exactly. Um, 
but yet you're talking about focusing on people who have been disenfranchised. And when I think of that, I usually think in terms of poverty. That's right. So can you help me understand yeah. that better? I, I think of it both in terms of poverty, race, and gender identification, language. I mean, there's, there's lots of um, different populations that are not part of the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. And we, we want to reach out to all of, all of those. Um, the, the reason I say there'll be a, we expect a, a broad diversity of income level is that our targeted population, a, pro- a charter school has to accept any child that comes through the door and without any geographic boundaries. So from anywhere in the state, if a child applies and we have room, we accept that child. Um, so we have no control over who actually gets accepted. Um, what we do have control of is how we market the school and who we, who we reach out for. So our, our intent is for all of our, reach, all of our outreach to be to serve uh, those kids and reach out to those kids whose families have been historically unsuccessful or dissatisfied at sc- with school. So that's our target, but we have no control over who will, um, who will apply. And our curriculum is going to be so innovative and so uh, – it's based on Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences. We have six teachers right now at, at Harvard working with Howard at Project Zero. We had six teachers at Columbia last month working with the Teachers College on, on language, reading, writing, math uh, workshops. So, um, so we're going to have such a rich curriculum that we know will attract people from upper socioeconomic um, populations. And we, and we think that's very pos- uh, positive. Um, I've spent much of my career working in high poverty schools without a broad diversity of income and that's limiting. So we think reflecting the rich diversity of Bloomington is important but our target is the historically disenfranchised. All right. We've hit uh, time to take a break. We're talking about a a variety of uh, educational opportunities that are available uh, in Bloomington or soon will be available in Bloomington. If you have questions or comments, phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. If you're a person on the go, you can take WFIU programs with you. We're podcasting. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer. Listen anytime from your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game musical mini quiz and movie play and opera reviews. You can find out how with a visit to our website at wfiu.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we're talking with three guests today who have uh, various approaches to education. And Mike, we're learning. We are learning. We, we always learn, but we're <laughs> learning particularly today. Mike Betson is a homeschooling father and he's the contact person for Learn Homeschool Group. He is not uh, you know, the representative, as, as he's pointed out to us, because the people who are in that group are, are a wide variety of folks. Alan Veach is principal of New Technology, New Tech High School, which is going to be opening here in Bloomington. And Daniel Barron is here. Daniel is school leader of the Project School, which will be opening in Indianapolis in two weeks and in Bloomington uh, next fall. So we have an email. We do. And Mike, this is for you, I think. Um, Do homeschool teachers generally set deadlines for the schoolwork to be done or can the student take his time to do an assignment? I know a homeschool student who does very well on a standardized test, but I wonder how he is going to fare when he has to write papers and meet deadlines in college. Oh, well, once again, it's uh, there, there's a wide variety. Within my family, yes, if you don't complete your work, you don't get to go outside in the woods in my daughter's case or play uh, on the X360 in my son's case. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think it's important to set, you know, some sort of 
deadlines and expectations. And uh, we found uh, we, we homeschool year-round, mm-hmm. which I find works better. Uh, the individual day might be shorter, and then there are days, you know, which will be uh, like a field trip or some other opportunity. So, I mean, we we don't really have a problem getting everything fit into a day. And, uh, you know, it just depends. The motivation kind of ebbs and flows just as with, you know, adults. Or, you know, there are times we're more than happy to meet our daily quota at work. And then there's other times that our supervisors kind of, you know, tapping their foot in the background, you know, asking us to finish a project on time. Right. <laughs> um, are, is part of the, the learn group, are there, are there social networking opportunities as part of that? Oh, absolutely. One of the great myths of homeschooling is that uh, children will lack socialization. Uh, just like with the project school, uh, homeschooling is not, you know, determined by, you, you ha- you'll have a interaction with children of various different ages and it's uh, – there's – Learn has a weekly uh, a park day or gym day. Uh, the Parks and Recreation uh, Department has been very generous in giving us access to facilities. Uh, the library is an, an incredible resource. I mean the community in Bloomington is very supportive of homeschooling including the MCCSC has always been very helpful. Uh, we're just really fortunate. Bloomington with Indiana University and the diversity of the community and the community involvement, which is, you know, having lived in various communities in Indiana, this is just an incredible oasis for, you know, all aspects of life. And it really reflects in the homeschooling community. All right. Uh-huh. You know, this is a terrible question to ask, but, you know, there are those of us and I might number among them who in August are kind of happy to see their kids go off to school. <laughs> You know, it's a little break. <laughs> and so I wonder, you know, is there ever uh, – do you have days where the – or I suppose this is a better question for your wife, but where the walls kind of close in? Well, see, she's the – The house shrinks a little maybe. She she does – like I said, she does the heavy lifting. I'm the homeschool bus driver. Oh. Uh-huh. So another misnomer in homeschooling is the word home because so often – and it's it's hard because there's all these opportunities. I mean – you have the entire world literally before you. And so very often I'll find out that the kids are really not home. That's another reason we do you know, year-round is that we're gone so many days of the week, you know, out and about doing various different activities. Mm-hmm. Um, within a month, um, I'll have – there's I, I do an annual field trip up to Strawtown, Kateawe, uh Park in Hamilton County where uh, – Members of my uh, alma mater, alma mater, uh, the um, Indiana Purdue at Fort Wayne Anthropology Department, will be doing an archaeological excavation, and probably about 150 kids and a couple adults that just will tag along will be uh, sifting through uh, artifacts on the screens and learning about archaeology from you know professional archaeologists. And there, are, you know, that's going to be a day long trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so my wife gets some breaks, probably not nearly what she deserves. And can I just take a second sure. to, to say hello to my wife Toria and to tell her I'm very uh, just happy to be celebrating 20 years today wow. of uh, marriage. Oh, and so I love you, Toria. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Eight five five zero eight one one is our phone number if she wants to call you back. Eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and you can send your email to noon at indiana dot edu. Alan, I have to say, I you know this is probably a terrible thing to say too, but I have to match my partner. Um, you know, the thought of uh, a business like atmosphere for this year in particular for a group of a hundred freshmen in high school, fifteen year olds, that sounds like a difficult task. And I think it will be a difficult task. And, and we talk about as a staff that, you know, teaching math, science, and English is going to be – it's going to be hard. But we think for us the most difficult task is replicating that culture that we see at New Techs that are, all, that are already established. And we use the Napa New Tech School as our model. It was the first. Uh, the students there are, are the most impressive part of that facility if you go to Napa and their ability to articulate what they're learning and why they're learning. And we are going to make it very intentional, our teaching of this culture. From the start, we are are bringing businessmen in and women in the very first day to talk about what it's like to to work in a business setting. So we're going to expose our students to leaders in their community from the from the start, and we're going to 
do activity, activities that are intentionally designed to help them build this culture. They're learning and we're learning. And, and we, our job, we are teachers. And, you know, we can't just throw them in there and into that building and just expect them to turn out this fantastic culture that, that we are modeling without teachers to guide them. And we, we just want them to be with us and help us along the way. We want them to be walking step in step with us as we help to develop that culture. So uh, it's going to be a challenge. Is it your intention or uh, that the students that graduate from New Tech High School be college-bound? I think, I think that that is the intention to be college-bound. One, um, one of the criteria for being at New Tech is a student will have 12 college credits when they graduate from high school. So they will be expected to get some exposure to college classes while they're still in high school. What a great leg up. It is a great leg up. It is an advantage there. You know, we've got a long way to go to get there. You know, luckily we're starting with freshmen, so we're not quite ready to get that part of the program going. But um, that's a tremendous advantage to the kids. But, you know, I think we'll have kids that will be um, – that will experience all types of post-secondary um, opportunities. Do I think we'll have college-bound kids four year and two years? Yes. Do I think we'll have kids who will enter apprenticeship programs? I, I believe that's true. Um, I believe we'll have kids, or at least I hope that we have kids who come to New Tech and during their junior and senior year spend part of their day at Hoosier Hills um, experiencing those types of opportunities. We want a, a diverse group of students um, in our school because we do believe they all bring something special to the table. And we'll hopefully reflect that once they graduate from New Tech and all the different options that they have once they, they move on to uh, post-secondary. What happens to a student who comes to New Tech and doesn't really blend in with it, doesn't find they, they enjoy the culture, that it's just not something that works for them? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and one of the things that we've been very upfront with our parents is, is, you know, part of my job as a principal is to make sure we do have 100 students in the school. And, and it needs to be full for that, that to go. But I've also been very upfront with the parents in that the key thing is that we want their students to be in a place that they believe is most successful for them. So we have, we have worked together, both high school principals and myself, to make it possible that if a student does find that new tech is not for them, and that's going to happen, that they are able to transfer back to one of the two uh, districted high schools, whichever one their mm-hmm. home district would be. Yeah, I, I want to ask you, Alan, and, and – Daniel, I know you have a lot of – you've had a lot of involvement with New Tech over the years and so – and this will apply to the project school as well. I think about those freshmen that, that uh, are there this year and they succeed and they come back as sophomores and there's a new group of freshmen who are there. How important is it that those sophomores then lead these freshmen? And Daniel, I think with the project school and the multi, multi-level classrooms, you probably have a similar kind of situation. So. Exactly. And I, you know – Right now, we have adults preparing for the start of school. We're, we are preparing um, the agendas and, and what, we, what we believe the students need to be successful. You know, our goal is next year, it's the students that will be preparing for the start of school. Again, we'll have adults and teachers guiding them, but the students will be preparing to introduce these, this next group to a culture that is unique and, and is different. And we, we will be establishing a student leadership group that will, be, that will really have um, that, that will really have a lot of involvement in the school that I hope when, they, when they're done, they say, you know, these are the ideas we brought forward and we can see where every one of them was addressed or implemented in the school, that there actually is a process where they are, are becoming, uh, it's basically a democracy. You know, they have a say and what they believe comes to fruition somewhere down the road. So w- we want the students next year to be involved in the orientation and running the orientation for the next class. Daniel? Oh, I, I completely agree with Alan in terms of the role of, of older kids um, mentoring and being guides for the, for the younger children. Um, I, I would say that, you know, the, the other – and we're also a democratic school, but the, um, part, a huge part of our emphasis is on, um, is on children making, making contributions to the greater good, to the larger community. So a, a significant part of, of democratic action on our part will be to come to understand and know and be, and be well informed about the issues and problems that are facing our community and then engage kids at the earliest ages um, to be part of the solution to those problems and recognize that they have something to contribute to the, to the greater good. Um, one of the things I've found in working with children in poverty for so many years is that very often both children and parents in poverty feel as if they really don't have any control over their own destiny, mm-hmm. that the, the, the odds are stacked so great against them 
that um, they just don't believe, even with hard work and, 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 and real focus, that they can break out of an intergenerational cycle of poverty. And it's my sense that if working with, with young children and demonstrating to young kids, not only can they improve the quality of their own lives, but they have the skills and habits and, and ability and talent to improve the quality of life of others is a very important part of developing the, that, that positive habit of using your heart well. Um, so, um, can you, at, can sure. you give me an, a, an example of like what's an issue that you might want to work with some kids? That's great. Well, I, I, it would be it would be kind of neat to start with with Indianapolis because sure. um, there the the curriculum summit has already happened. It's it's not it's not um, theoretical. It's right. it's it's being applied. One of the, the the community they're in has a lot of abandoned houses and and what's known as brown fields, mm-hmm. uh, houses that have property that's been used for other purposes before and there's very little life and often um, toxins in in those areas. So one of the first units of study is going to be around um, the regeneration of brown fields, and um, you know, which lead, which really is both critical for the community because those places can become healthy places, and there's a lot of housing development taking place by a board member of our school in in, in Indianapolis. So our kids are going to be doing the, the the real study around how to regenerate those fields. But one of the one of our core beliefs is around sustainability and sustainability of both social systems and biological systems. Um, so this notion of every of a through line, something that will be part of our school, will be the questions of sustainability and leaving behind the environment better than we found it and we're thinking three generations ahead. Um, so it, it, when, when kids begin to think about what they're going to be leaving for the future and their responsibility of, as citizens – not to deface and to and to rob the earth of its precious resources. That we're going to our curriculum will be not only a green curriculum, but the way we what we buy, how we use it, how we refuse it will be part of the entire curriculum. So that every kid becomes aware of their environmental footprint, and the school that we that we create will be the, we hope to be the greenest building in Monroe County. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have a building? Um, no, we we, ha- we had we thought we knew where we were going to be. Um, but uh, um, really at a sensitivity to the Fairview is- uh, issue, we, we were going to be in the Fairview district and um, had our, our heart and eyes set on a, on a building in, in Prospect Hill. But in, in deference to the community and not wanting to do anything to hurt children in Fairview or the teachers and their dreams for a new building, we, we've decided to not be in the Fairview district. And that's a recent decision based on when, this, when the school board said that they, they're putting the building plans on hold because of the project school – we couldn't bear the responsibility of that building not being built in that community. We just we, – so, so at, the, at that point, uh, with our board's support, we determined to look for a different space. Uh, we know we want to be downtown. We are, I'm leaving here to look at two buildings when, right from the studio. Um, but we want to be um, in the inner city where kids have access to all of those resources um, that, uh, Mike had, that Mike spoke of. Um, and, and we want to be in the heart of the community. Okay, we've got three emails that have come in. Um, this first one is about New Tech High School. It says, are you interested in professionals as volunteers? And if so, whom should they contact? Well, we are definitely interested as professionals as uh, volunteers. One, one of the things we talk to our kids about is, is we want to have uh, as many adults in the building as possible because we want them to be able to walk up to anybody that comes in the building w- without somebody prompting them and pushing them over there and be able to explain what they're doing and why they're doing it and the culture of their school. And the only way for them to be able to do that is to be able to practice. Mm-hmm. So we are really encouraging people um, to come in the building just to see what's going on and, and definitely to volunteer. You know, as of right now, uh, we had a meeting last night with some people, and, and you know, we've got a lot of stuff that we're trying to get in place right now. And as much as I'd love to say we'll take all the volunteers, I, I just can't manage that r- right at this mm-hmm. particular time. Uh, my email is on the MCCSC website, and that would be the best way to uh, contact me. Just give me a name and, and a way to get a hold of you if you would like to volunteer. And we'll be getting a volunteer coordinator up and going really quick so that we can get as many people in the building as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, great. I wanted to ask Mike before you go to the next email about um, how you in particular and any other homeschool families that you know engage other people in the community and in uh, the education of your child. That's really a great question. Uh, I, both my children are really involved in volunteer efforts in the community. And uh, then they also have had uh, mentor relationships with other adults. 
And uh, like the project school, homeschooling is not segregated, you know, strictly segregated by age. So they have a chance to engage, you know, everything from children much younger to adults. And it's just – it's I, I guess we sort of see education as a process that's part of life. So, you know, the line between education – I mean there's definitely times that you're sitting down and you're doing – you know, an assignment. But then there's also times that they're learning and I'm not even aware of it. And I'm sometimes amazed by, you know, they'll pull out a fact. My daughter is really good for this. She'll pull out just some piece of knowledge. I'm like, well, where did you, you know, and then, you know, trying to uncover where she acquired that knowledge. And very often it's through, you know, some volunteer effort or through some interaction with another adult or, you know, one of her, uh, uh, you know, one of her friends, and you know, she has friends that are not homeschooled. So she, they, they engage in you know just the ways that you know any individual would in terms of you know acquiring information, exchanging information, mm-hmm. and uh, becoming part of a larger community. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's what it says: My children attend Templeton Elementary, and I was shocked to find out. Uh, about the lack of nutrition in the cafeteria. Mm. There is very little, if any, whole grain option in pasta or bread. Everything comes out of a box. Nothing is actually cooked by the cooks. The foods are high in sugar, deep fried, etc. Do either or both of your new schools have a plan to be separate from that food system? Oh, um, yes, we do. <laughs> um, uh, part of sustainability has to do with food production and, and nutrition. So um, we're, we've been in conversations with uh, FoodWorks locally, mm-hmm. which is a local organization that's committed to very nutritional foods and as locally produced as possible. So w- we anticipate our food b- program being a very, very high quality, um, as organic as possible. Um, and, th- that our, and we also plan on having gardens and contributing to gardens. Um, so the, 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 it will be a significant part of our program. Uh, healthy children, healthy communities will be one of our first projects in Bloomington. And one of the keys to a healthy, both healthy children and healthy, healthy communities is a healthy diet. So it's going to be a real focus at, at the project school. Okay. Alan? And, and New Tech, since we are a part of MCCSC, will be using... Uh, MCCSC Food Service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do know um, that the food service at MCCSC, they are very conscientious about um, students' health and being um, preparing food that is healthy and, and, and good for them. So uh, we will be using that particular service this year, our food. We will have a cafeteria in our building. One of the task forces that we hope to implement, though, is um, along with what Daniel's talking about, about being green, is we're, we're going to try to challenge him for the greenest school in Bloomington. You're on. Uh, <laughs> we're going we're to have a green task force uh, for the students, and we want them to work with the cafeteria and, and people about how do we make that better. And, and we have thought about that, things like um, as a school, by n- intentionally not putting uh, vending machines that serve items in plastic bottles in our particular building. And we will have a student store that will sell healthy choices for snacks and things like that. So we're going to be very intentional in what we're doing in our building along those same lines. So changing the system a little differently than Daniel's approach. There's room for both. Although, Alan, you know, I've, I've thought of this often because New Tech's only 912 nationally. And um, we've been thinking deeply both here and, and in other communities around what a K-8 program would look like that feeds into New Tech because one of the real problems of New Tech is kids who come ill-prepared, not using their time, not knowing, having time management skills, not having mm-hmm. the self-discipline necessary to do the type of curriculum that New Tech has, that it takes, often takes a year or two of enculturation. And one of our visions is to have our kids, many of whom will come from dis, you know, impoverished populations, to graduate our school fully prepared with all the 21st century skills necessary to thrive at a New Tech. So um, the fact that we'll be sending kids who are really conscious of good nutrition, I hope will contribute (laughs) to your efforts. (laughs) And so it begins. (laughs) Uh, Okay, here's another email that came in. Uh, Are there going to be opportunities for the kids at New Tech to participate in art or music? And I would ask about gym class in addition or sports. Well, yeah, that's a lot of questions all in one. <laughs> uh, this, this, we'll go with the easier, the easier ones first. Sports, yes, students can participate in uh, IHSA-sponsored sports at their home schools. So if a student is districted in Bloomington North, then they would participate in IHSA-sponsored sports um, at Bloomington North. Uh, the other one was arts and music. Correct. Uh, this, this, the first year we will not have an art 
course, a, a curricular area art course. It's our goal to find ways to encourage kids and provide opportunities for kids outside the traditional school day to get involved in arts and music. I think those are two areas that are um, that this community provides a tremendous advantage because there are so many things out there for our kids to take part in. And then the second year of the school, we will. Uh, it is our intention to have an art art as a part of the curricular program. Um, and, and then music as a curriculum, I think that really it really depends on student need and student use. And uh, we're very need to be very responsible of FTE or costs for teachers. And mm-hmm. I think as with everything else, we're going to ask our kids, would you be interested in a music program? And if we get a significant number of kids that are interested in a music program, then it would be a, then we would need to go to the superintendent and the school board and say. Mm-hmm. how can we take advantage of this or how can our kids take advantage of the programs that are already in place, which are we have some amazing music programs here in the corporation. Would you be flexible enough to let a student participate in one of the other existing music programs? And that was a difficult choice we, we, uh, that we chose to uh, for this particular year to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a thing that we knew would cost us some people who would, who would apply. Um, but because we are at a separate site and because students come from two different schools, we believed that it was important for us to keep our students with us throughout the day rather than trying to shuttle them to north or south and then bring us back, mm-hmm. bring them back. It, it's my belief that they w- by a month of being shuttled three times, they would have chosen to either stay at north and south and be in our music program or stay at New Tech and be in that particular program. And it wouldn't be good for either one of us to lose somebody midstream like that. So uh, early on, we just made um, a conscious decision to not allow that this first year that to allow students, um, because both high schools have been very gracious with working with us, to allow students to participate in activities that are after school. Okay, great. So, Daniel, do you want to follow up? I, I do, because the arts and music are critical to our curriculum. When we talk about developing the habits of voice, it really is the habit of expression and being able to express yourselves in ways that others can really appreciate. So one of our, one of our curricular goals is that every child will have a piece of public art displayed in the community each year. Uh, we, we hope and plan to have studio space for local artists and musicians free of charge to share their talents with our kids. And we have a, we're, we're planning to have a strong partnership with the Bloomington Playwrights Project. Their educational director is on our board, and theater will be at, at the heart of our curriculum. So, that, so arts, music, theater are critical, as is phys ed. Um, Howard Gardner's kinesthetic intelligence is about knowing the body well and knowing how to use the body well. And so there'll be a very strong physical ed program also. Okay. All right. We have one more email, but I think we're out of time. We only have about 20 seconds to go. So I think I'm going to use that time to thank our guests. Uh, thank you to Mike Betson, Alan Veach, and Daniel Barron. And thank you, Mary Catherine, and producer Ariana Prothero. And thank you, Mike Pashkash, our engineer. For uh, all these people, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.